WKWZ, Syosset. Welcome back to another edition of Agree to Disagree, your weekly Friday night sports show on WKWZ 88.5 FM, live from Syosset High School. I'm your host, Colm Evans, alongside my partner, Sammy Sherry, and we have you covered on the latest and greatest in sports for the next hour of your evening. Sammy, how are we today, my man? Cole, how are you? Looking forward to getting back to it today. We haven't had a show in three weeks. We had two weeks off, so as you would like to say, it was our all-star break. And uh, looking forward to getting back into it. We have some interesting content to cover today, so looking forward to it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'd say we missed a lot, but we really didn't. We've hit one of the worst points in the sports calendar year, which is that awkward break after the NFL season, in between March Madness, before spring training slash the MLB mm-hmm. started the season, before the All-Star break of basketball in the NHL, now with I mean, all the changes, obviously. So we are in like the dog days of sports right now. But as we always do, we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole. And we still got plenty to talk about. But something fresh that we have to talk about and that we're going to start the show with are school sports. And ironically... We have not been on the show since before the first basketball game of the season, and the season's already over. So let's actually recap the season as I paid very close attention and followed the Sayasa Braves boys varsity basketball team, and we'll cover the girls right after this, but we're going to go in-depth on the boys team first. So I'm going to just quickly pull out my pull out the notes on there. So the boys finished with a 5-0 and overall record, and... Unfortunately, the season was stopped due to a mini-COVID outbreak on the team. Very unfortunate and kind of sums up the whole season. But in the end, the players, especially those who I talked to, were just extremely happy that they were able to play those five games, which were five more than any of us anticipated going into February. It was a very last-minute season, and we give all the credit in the world to Coach Cardona and the program to getting the team together, getting the practices in, and putting together an undefeated team within weeks. Well, you're right. I mean, they they had a good season. Even though it was short, it was already going to be shortened uh, as a result of the whole uh, backlog, you could say, in the whole uh, local sports uh, world, I guess you could say, so it was already going to be a shortened season. And as you said, because of the recent uh, outbreak and exposure, it will be cut short even more, unfortunately. But yes, Cole, uh, it was a decent season. And, you know, next season, hopefully everybody could get back to things as they say normal per se, which is obviously not the case as of right now. And uh, hopefully everybody could play without mask and safely and just play basketball, and have a great time doing it and win. Yeah, you know, before I get into the in-depth stats and, and analysis on the season, I just wanted to talk about the dynamic of playing in a, a pandemic-riddled year. And up until literally Thursday after, yesterday afternoon when I received a, a text from a school woge that the season was over due to COVID, They were doing a really good job. Everything was under control. The players were getting tested every single weekend. Everyone wore their mask during the games. Not a lot of uh, chin diapers, as we like to say, and what we see in a lot of the televised high school games around the country that I've been watching. I mean, there's not a mask on any of them. The players, look, sometimes they kind of go under the nose a bit. For the most part, they were all over, and it was definitely effective until the end. But talking about this Braves team by the numbers, I'll just kind of read off some stats here that I was able to generate and these are as of uh Tuesday when they had their scrimmage which was between the seniors and the underclassmen against the juniors that I actually made my play-by-play debut by myself in that game and Sammy that might have been the best basketball game I've seen all year legitimately like that that competed with some of the games in the bubble that were really good um game ended mm-hmm. 77 to 74 in overtime 
the juniors came back from a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter, came all the way back, tied it up, traded three-pointers within the last minute of the game. There were two bang calls from uh, inspired by Mike Breen, one of my favorite guys of all time. So it almost broke the sound barrier on the, on the microphones. It was so exciting. Um, I guess I'll share that recording with you later. But just such a fun game, and we're really happy that everyone at the radio was able to put together that uh, the broadcast for that scrimmage because, again, that was the last game. We were actually doing that in preparation for tonight's game, which would have been at 6 o'clock, two hours from now, outside of high school against Plainview, a team that's only played like two games this season due to their own COVID outbreak. So I guess Syasa can consider themselves lucky that they got five games plus the scrimmage in compared to this Plainview team that's played two <laughs> and was expecting a back-to-back against a home-and-away against this Braves team, and it wasn't able to happen. So I'll have to find out what Plainview's deal is, but definitely super unfortunate for them. But by the numbers for this team, they were first place in Nassau, in the Nassau Conference AA-1, and they were one of four teams in Nassau County with a 5-0 record or better at the time. And there was a very good chance that they were going to beat Plainview, which would have been their biggest uh, challenge of the season. Very good Plainview team, even just based off of that two-game sample size. So it's really unfortunate because all the players, including myself as the commentator, were looking forward to that matchup. But maybe they'll make it up in March for a, a, a scrimmage, hopefully. That would be really nice, but can't promise anything right now. The Braves actually outscored their opponents 285-189 to 189 this season a 96-point differential. And in the final polls, they were around the number 15 rank in all of Long Island, which is amazing for this Braves team. And just a really good five-game stretch for this team. Oh, yes, uh, as you've said, it was short season, but they still performed to a high level. So overall, yes, it was, I guess you could call it more like a not even a season, but just more like a third of a season or a quarter of a season or even less. But uh, yes, they got to play, and overall, they played pretty well. So going 5-0 and is definitely an accomplishment. So ended up being a good season, and hopefully next year it could return back to better and nicer pastures. Yeah, and if you want to put a, a really nice spin on it, I actually did an interview with the head coach, Mr. Cardona, prior to the first game of the season. And his last line was that he believed the Braves were going to go undefeated. And unfortunately, it wasn't the undefeated that he was looking for, the 7-0 or 8-0 that he believed. But they did finish 5-0. So I give him credit on that. And he coached a hell of a year or a hell of a five-game stretch for this team. And Coach Waxer, my, my head soccer coach, came on as the assistant coach last minute. And... His aggressive style led to a very good defensive year for this Braves team. Absolutely electric on defense throughout the entire year. This Braves team was full of athletes, and they did a very good job of utilizing athletic talent to suffocate teams in the defensive end. And a ton of steals from their guards. Um, Big men were doing really well down low, and it was definitely seen in that scrimmage as well. So just the highlights and players in the season, Chris Pedinato, the senior who is going to go play at Geneseo, which is, um, I believe, a Division three school. He averaged 11.4 points on the season, an 18-point game against Farmingdale, a 17-point game against Massapequa, a really nice season for him. He pulled off a two-handed slam in the scrimmage as well, the only one of the season for this Braves team. Had some really clutch buckets down the line in these games and really stood out for this Braves team this season. And once he got in his groove... And, uh, you know, really got his momentum going. He was an unstoppable force. So there were some struggles down the line with him, some consistency issues. But he really was one of those classic players that heated up as the game went on. And that fourth quarter was his prime time. Um, Other players to highlight, Andrew Moon, the senior guard, a teammate of mine on the soccer team, had a really nice season himself. Um, Had a 12-point second half against East Meadow, which was his highlight of the season. Really good defensive guard, shifty, versatile around the hoop. Really nice season and really nice Braves career for him. And then Syriac Puthaseri, averaged seven on the season. A really nice player himself. Really has a nice uh, chemistry with Moon. Two good friends are those two. And had a really nice season himself. And then highlighting some of the younger players on this team, 
who had enjoyed a really nice season. Andrew Zhao averaged 7.8 points a game this season, a 15-point outing against Freeport. I believe he hit three or four three-pointers in that game. Really nice, tall forward. that can also bring up the ball for this Braves team, a sweet mid-range jumper. He was showing that off, and he was not afraid to shoot at all during that scrimmage. Um, Matt Lindemann, who will be the best player on this team next year and arguably the best player on this team this past year, had an unbelievable year, 10.4 points per game. 18 points against Hempstead and just absolutely dominant on the defensive end. He's going to be the leader of this team. He was a captain this year. He'll be the captain next year and undoubtedly the the leader of this team going forward. And then a player who really stood out that got more minutes than most people expected was the big man Mark Lamonti. 6.6 points a game, but uh, rebounding on the defense and offensive end, he was extremely effective. Had 15 rebounds against East Meadow, had a 12 Point twelve rebound game against Hempstead in the scrimmage was shooting really well from the line, which was great to see, especially for a guy who spends almost all of his time down in the paint. A lot of players at this age, especially big men, are not able to shoot, and even at, at the NBA level, from the free throw line. And to see him shoot around seventy-five to eighty percent, if not more, in that scrimmage and throughout the season was really nice to see. So he enjoyed a really nice season. And I'm sure Coach Cardona was very pleased with the progress that he made and the experience that he gained. And, you know, this team had a really nice season. There's some really great pieces returning next year. So the returners next year will, of course, be Zal, Lindemann, and Bamonte. And then the other juniors, Shahir Nuri, the sharpshooting. Uh, all these kids are juniors that I'm going to mention right now. Sharpshooting three-point specialist, super, super Oh, like giving a little alliteration right now. Super shifty around the rim as well. Ben Kreit, a big guy himself, hyper athletic, really good in defensive end, attacks the rim constantly. Joe Flanagan, a guard who hit big shots when he found his rhythm in that game. Perry Crosser, another big guy or over six foot who can hit shots from the outside, which is huge in today's game. And then the two sophomores who played on this team, Dylan Eisenberg, another guard who can shoot the three really well, and Amari Jordan who stepped up big, and he got some minutes throughout this year. And really nice experience for him. And something I learned throughout my first varsity season is that younger kids and underclassmen really benefit from playing on these varsity teams, even if they're not playing on the court. What happens behind the scenes in practice when they're getting all, these, all this experience and the confidence that they bring coming into the next year. And I'm seeing it with a lot of the kids in the soccer team, even though they didn't play a lot this past season, they're coming in with so much confidence into this year because now they know they're a staple on this team. So we'll have to see what other kids rise up to the occasion during tryouts next year to round out this team. But they have a fantastic core, and they're going to run with it. And from what I've been hearing, the buzz is real from this junior and sophomore squad heading into next year. They're feeling really good about it. They feel that they can make a good playoff run, and they're definitely going to ride the momentum from this year. Cole, it it sounds like you have it all down. Yes, so... The team next year, it sounds like they're going to be just as good, if not maybe even better, possibly going undefeated again, better than 5-0, and though, in a much longer season. So it looks like the pastures are greener up ahead, and they're already green. Yeah, completely agree on that end, and it was a really promising season for this Braves team. And I'm really excited to cover them with you next season. Hopefully you're back in school. We're doing some play-by-play for almost every game. Yes. And it's going to be really exciting stuff. So shifting on to girls' varsity basketball, while I wasn't able to really watch a lot of their games and follow them as closely as the boys' team, which I guess also had a factor of me being close friends with a lot of the kids in the boys' team and you know getting to know them and wanting to see them play and, and, and succeed, this girls' team had a pretty identical season, 5-0 and right now, a 67-20 win against Hempstead, who the boys also destroyed, 57-35 against Farmingdale, who the boys also had a great game against, a win against Freeport, 57 to 53 winning against our rivals Massapequa. Boys beat them as well. And then beat Freeport again 44 to 32. So this girls team clearly able to score the ball. Some really good games from Lila Grubman, their star, who had a really nice season herself. And just another dominant season for this girls team. It seems year after year they come out and perform. Yes, Colin, there was actually their season is not over quite yet, though, as there is another game tonight at Old Beth Page at 630. So they are also currently 5-0, and but they have not had the uh, hinder, uh, the challenges the male team has gone through at this time. So they will continue playing tonight at 630. 
yeah, definitely will update you guys next Friday to see what happens on there. Hopefully you guys hear before next Friday about what happens in that game. But it would be really nice for the girls to finish off another undefeated season and head into next year with a ton of talent. You know, their best player, again, a junior, Lila Grubman, who's committed to Yale. So it would be nice to see her step up next season. And I believe she was all-county first team or all-Long Island first team in her sophomore year. I mean, we can only imagine what that's going to look like her senior year for this Braves team who's had a really nice history of girls' basketball in the past. So, moving on to the plan, starting on March 1st, which is Monday, fall season sports, uh, fall sports season too, excuse me, and fall sports season, uh, oh my god, I, I gotta redo that. Fall sports season 2 starts on March 1st, and around May 1st, or the end of April, spring sports, the traditional spring sports season. Not fall sports season three. That's, those aren't fall sports. Confusing stuff, but the reality is everyone is going to get a chance to play this year, and that's the most important part. And I also need to mention the wrestling team has had a nice season themselves. I don't have the stats on, on me right now, but they've been able to, to go out and, and play, which has been awesome, considering we never thought that the wrestling team had any team. I mean, let alone basketball. Wrestling, one of the most contact-driven sports out there, was going to have any sort of a season, and they've had one, and they've been really enjoying that themselves, which is great to see. But for the fall sports season, from March 1st to April 21st, slash the end of April, um, we have boys and girls soccer, we have boys and girls cross country, boys and girls volleyball, boys football, boys golf, boys badminton, and then girls tennis, girls kickline, girls swimming, and girls cheer. And then the following season, which starts at the end of April slash beginning of May, all the way until the end of the school year, boys lacrosse, girls lacrosse, boys baseball, girls softball, boys track and field, girls track and field, boys golf, boys tennis, and girls badminton. So some mixing and matching right there. But again, the reality is, and the most important part, everyone is going to get a chance to play, have some closure on their Braves careers, or take the first step of their Braves careers for a lot of these underclassmen just really know wanting to get on the field finally you know I haven't played with our varsity team in a real game since October of 2019 that seems like a decade ago at this rate Sammy you know Cole it it was a while ago indeed and a lot has transpired in that time frame but when you think about it it really wasn't that long ago I mean it feels like forever ago for me Sammy I'm uh, it's it just seems foreign but Monday, tryouts start. We'll get back on the field. We got absolutely blessed with weather this week. I guess we'll segue into that next. I mean, the hot weather and the rain completely saved our tryouts. We would have been training on ice for the soccer season, and same as the football team. But now that we had all this this mini heat wave over the past three days and this beautiful weather, and the tides are starting to change, we have a clear green turf field right now. It will be the debut, the first full season on Syosset's new turf field. So maybe that will give an impact for this team. We've seen how teams have performed in their new stadiums across history. It adds a bit of an element of excitement. Unfortunately, there won't be any fans as of right now to experience uh, these games. And there's also no lights in the field, so there won't be any night games. But the day games and the afternoon games... It'll be really fun to attend once people are able to in the future. So, Sammy, weather report. Let's hear it, my man. All right, Cole. So, currently in Syosset, New York, it is 40 degrees out, mostly sunny. Tomorrow, a high of 50 and a low of 37. Unfortunately, though, a 99% chance of rain. Sunday, a high of 45, a low of 41 and cloudy and an 87% chance of rain again. I'm liking that 1% chance of uh, no rain tomorrow. That's, a, that's my prediction. That's my, that's my Sammy take. If Sammy had to predict the weather and give hot takes in the weather, he'd take the 1% of no rain tomorrow. We all are aware of my uh, expertise when it comes <laughs> to picking football picks, of course. <laughs> the 1%. And you'd probably fade yourself and you'd still get it wrong. It'd probably uh, snow tomorrow instead. You know, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> All right, um, baseball time. You know, weather's starting to get nice. I mean, in Florida, where you are right now, it's 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 been pretty consistent. You know, the the whole country experienced the 
This whole cold stretch and then Florida was just by itself in its own bubble. Not here. Like it's been with COVID. <laughs> Heifman at the beach. Yeah, Not I mean, at the look, at, look in Florida. Co- COVID doesn't exist in Florida. Poor weather and the cold doesn't exist in Florida. It's perfect down there. You know, I mean, there's no such a thing as a perfect world, but it may be somewhat close. <laughs> oh, here's your line again. Excuse the bills that say us at high school. There we go. All right, baseball time. Sammy brought up something that I actually accidentally ran into on Reddit the other day. And I'm rarely on Reddit, but I decided during classes, getting bored, wound up procrastinating a bit. So I'll go on Reddit and scroll down. And I saw this chart that compared Albert Pujols' first 11 seasons versus Mike Trout's first 11 seasons. And usually I scroll by some of the, like, the you know, geeky stats, things like that. But I said, you know what, I'll take a look at this. It's kind of intriguing. And I started looking at it during class. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is crazy. So Sammy reminded me of it. I didn't even mention it to him. And we're going and uh, prepping for the show today. And Sammy's like, oh, Cole, how about we talk about this? I'm like, oh, my God, I actually ran into that. So let's have a conversation about it. I thought it was fascinating. Cole? Yes. So I actually, a year ago, uh, I didn't see this anywhere. I just... I guess thought about it was scrolling through numbers. Obviously, many people regard Mike Trout as he is the best player in the current MLB and has been of this generation. He is what people say is this generation's Willie Mays. He He's a do-it-all outfielder. He could hit. He could run. He could field. He's just phenomenal. He's unfathomably just out of this world. And when it comes to that... Albert Pujols, people don't really regard him in this light. In St. Louis, he played there for 11 seasons, and those 11 seasons were not just good. They weren't just great. They were flat-out dominant, and when you look at it, there's definitely an argument to be made offensively that Albert Pujols is definitely more dominant and better in his first 11 seasons than Mike Trout. People compare Mike Trout's first, let's say, 10-11 seasons to a Ken Griffey Jr. And Mike Trout, they're better. But when you look at Albert Pujols' numbers, he was also not really a slack on the defensive side. Never a center fielder, obviously. So center field is obviously much more valuable than a first baseman. But he has some gold gloves, Albert Pujols, to his name. But when you look at it, Mike Trout, he's so highly regarded. But Albert Pujols, he just isn't getting his due cold. Why do you think this could be? Why why is Albert Pujols not be putting on the pedestal he deserves? Obviously, we all know the tweet that came out recently by his wife, how he may retire at the end of this year as his 10-year contract for $240 million will end, and uh, we will see what happens there as he's getting up there in age. He's on the wrong side of 40 now, so definitely getting up there and uh, towards the end of his career, if not right there been struggling a bit the past few seasons but he could still hit homers that's what he's always been able to do he he hits homers and he drives guys in when you look at his numbers in St. Louis they're just great I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute Cole but uh why do you think he doesn't get the recognition he deserves you mentioned already the 10-year contract that's unfortunately with recency bias what's defining his career right now and it sucks it's super unfortunate unfortunate but people remember how uh, players and teams close games and how the dynasty folded. That's the problem. You know, it, it, sticks out, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And unfortunately, ever since going to uh, Anaheim, it's gone completely downhill for Pujols. And it sucks because he had an unbelievable career in St. Louis. And it's just absolutely snowballed since, you know, I, again, I don't have his uh, next 10-year stats in front of me, but he's just never been the player they wanted him to be, and it's no secret at all. Cole, Mike Trout also, he has accolades, but Albert Pools has them as well. A three-time MVP, a 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ. We know Mike Trout's shortcomings in the postseason. Pulse also has two gold gloves, yes, albeit at first base, but still an accomplishment nonetheless. Six-time Silver Slugger, and he was also an NLCS MVP, and he has a batting title. So when you put all that together, I mean, 
that's just a phenomenal career and maybe a, f- a little more to come. And when you look at his, I'm big into the 162 game averages on mm-hmm. baseball reference, 37 home runs and 119 RBIs. And this isn't even, and this is including all his years in Anaheim where obviously he took huge drop-offs. When you look at his years in St. Louis, he was hitting 47 homers a season, 42, 37, 37, 49, 41, 46, 43, 34, 37. He was just flat out dominant, winning three MVPs. He just, he was just a great player. And when you look at it, Mike Trout, obviously we know how great he is and what he has done, but in his career, he's probably not going to eclipse the offensive achievements Pulses has, at least when you look at the counting stats, Pools has 662 homers and 2,100 RBIs on the dot. I did the math a while back. I don't remember the exact numbers and gave Trout some projections based off of his prior seasons, but uh, he didn't really, he barely got over 600. Actually, I think when I did it, this 60 game season prevented him from getting to 600 homers, assuming my stats were correct. And my projections, which all it is is projections. Again, he could fall off tomorrow or he could go another 15 years of being this great Mike Trout generational type guy, as we've seen Tom Brady do. But when you look at it, Mike Trout, he's a generational player, but Albert Pujols is too. That's the point we're trying to get across here, and people just don't really talk about him enough. Yeah, and the point also is not to compare them. It's to just appreciate the greatness of both of them. That's the biggest yes. thing right here. We shouldn't be trying to figure out who's a better player or who's more impressive. Pool stature stand on their own for just how incredible they are. They just happen to be put against the standard of Mike Trout, whoever in regards also, again, recency bias. He's in the prime of his career right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, Pools enjoyed – I mean, he was the face of the Cardinals for all those years and, and just was just absolutely dominant. And that earned him that, that 10-year, $240 million deal. And obviously, it's gone down the drain in the worst way possible. But, I mean, with Trout, don't underestimate how incredible of a career he's had so far. I think I saw a stat that like he's been like top three or top five in MVP voting every single year of his career. And he, like, last this past season, the shortened season, like, um, he finished, I think, in the top three or top five. And he's like, this was the worst season of my career. I need to improve on it. Cole, Mike Trout has finished first or second in every year of his career in MVP voting, except one year where he only played a little over 100 games, where he still finished, I believe, fourth. And then this 60-game season, which was a fluke, obviously, if it was a marathon and not a sprint, I'm sure he would have been back in that top two, assuming he stayed healthy, and he finished fifth. So those are numbers that are just... You don't really see that, and when you look at it, Albert Pools had a similar run of his own when he finished top five in MVP voting five years straight in St. Louis, maybe six actually, and then one year I believe he finished ninth, and then he was back to going back to back to MVPs and then finishing second and fifth the years after that. So when you look at it, they both had some great runs, and when you look at it, both should be getting their due, and not just one or the other, as you said, and Albert Pujols' name should really stand up there among the all-time greats as he is. Unfortunately, he probably will never hit 700 home runs as this 60-game season. Again, it really hurt him probably a lot as I think I said he was at 662, I believe. So when you look at it, he's probably not going to get to 700. It's very, very unlikely assuming he doesn't get like 40 homers next season or plays a lot more years. But uh, when you look at it, he's had a great career and we wish him the best, and hopefully he could go out if this is his last season on a high note. Who knows? Maybe him, Mike Trout, the Angels could finally do some things in the postseason. Yeah, that'd be great to see. And I think everyone is collectively rooting for Mike Trout and the Angels team to finally just get over the hump. Great. It's like frustrating to watch them, you know, waste his career like this. And I mean, I mean, wouldn't that be a tragedy having the one of the best players of all time on your team for? potentially two decades and doing absolutely nothing with it. So, you know, maybe they'll get over the hump eventually. But right now they're the they're the Anaheim Angels who just can't get it done. So quick uh, PSA, but actually something that I need to promote for uh, myself, which is 
the sports industry group at Syosset High School, which is coming out very soon. Um, I'm going to pull up the Google Classroom code right now for those listening live or those listening um, to the recording. S-I-O-D-G-O-L. I see Sammy's writing it down right now. I'll repeat it again for you. S-I-O-D-G-O-L. So what is the sports industry group? Sammy, this is right up your alley. I'm going to promote to you right now. This is my chance to sell it. I'm we listening, Cole. Over... Be a great salesman. Look, there's a lot of clubs in this school that go – I mean, there's the Fantasy Debate Club. There's the Sports Analytics and Debate Club where we're debating what happens on the field. But sports, as we know, is powered by what happens off the field, whether it's marketing, management, agency and law, media and content, radio like what we're doing right now, commentary like what we're going to do all throughout this spring. That's what powers sports. And a bunch of friends and I are coming together with Miss Malley, an awesome teacher at this school, to create the sports industry group. We'll be meeting once a week. But the best thing about this club, Sammy, is that this is going to be more than just a club. We're building a community here. We're going to have active group chats talking about the news and sports. Each club is going to be highly interactive. It's not going to be the same five kids being involved each time. We're going to get everyone involved, and everyone will want to be involved. It's not going to be a club I know you are the last person. I'm also the last person to sit in the back and, and, and fall asleep in anything, whether it's watching a, a school play or anything or the orchestra, whatever it is, there's, there's some opinion about it. But in terms of this club, we are going to be looking for high interaction from everyone throughout the week, sending polls out, sending news out before each club, a ton of preparation. This will not be your average club here at Sasa High School. And I expect you, my friend, to be heavily involved in it. You're going to have a big role yourself. And we're going to have some guest speakers as well. You know, usually that's the first thing people like to hear when they're hearing about these clubs. Oh, who's going to be a guest speaker? Well, I mentioned all those things. And we're adding the cherry on top, which is going to be some notable figures coming to speak to the class. Constant debates and discussions that are actually, uh, you know, worth something. It's going to be a really fun time. And hopefully a club that will stick around even past my next year and a half at Sasa High School, and you're two years and a half. Sammy, you might have some big shoes to fill. You know, Cole, yes, uh, you know, we are both in the sports analytics group, I guess. There, is this a group or a club? I know there's, I heard there's a distinctive there's, difference. There's a, there's like a weird distinctive, I don't know. They're all they're all clubs to me. But I, uh, I, heard, I heard that the groups apparently don't get any school funding or something. I, I don't believe sports analytics is a group, but we will be working on converting that and transforming that into a club for next year. But I think right now this is sports industry group. I will have to confirm though, but we'll definitely look to make that into a club if it's not already. And when will it be starting again? Um, right. We're actually having a meeting this Sunday, but if you join the Google classroom, we will give you any update you need. Um, unfortunately you're not in school, but we'll be putting flyers all around the school. I created a really nice graphic myself to paste around the walls of Syosset high school and it'll be ready to rock and roll, and we're going to have a really fun time. So you know, all the meetings will be virtual. We're planning on Thursdays at 3.15. So maybe some topics that we can bring into our Friday shows that are hot during these meetings can be some really fun stuff here. So We can also collect some Q&As. Yeah, dude, we're going to have everything. Um, we're open for all ideas. That's the other thing. A lot of clubs don't allow the people um, – the participants in the club, the non-officers, to really suggest ideas. That's going to be one of our biggest things here. Just like how uh, Stevie Cohen's doing with the Mets. He's, he's interacting with all the fans that want to give their opinions and everything. We're going to do the same thing in this group. Cole, maybe, who knows, maybe you're the next Steve Cohen. How's, how's my sales job? I thought it was pretty good. You know, Cole, it was very good, except I have one suggestion. So you know how you mentioned there will be guest speakers? You you should have an attention grabber there, like maybe one highlighted name to just jump off the page That's there. The surprise. I'm sure maybe don't you know. don't know someone off, off your head maybe, but that would have probably just – I know you said you put the cherry on top, that, but that would have put the cherry and, you know, whipped just cream. a bunch more whipped cream. <laughs> We're bringing Michael Jordan for the first one, and we'll only get better from there. <laughs> Hard to get better than Michael Jordan, it will, but uh, it will, it will break the Google Meet. I think we'll have max capacity there. 
Um, moving on, though, to other topics, let's talk about our Knicks enjoying some nice basketball lately. They're only one game under 500. I believe they're 16 and 17. Is that correct? I'll check. Uh, yeah, 16 and 17, sixth place in the Eastern Conference right now, playing some great hoops. Um, last night, Alfred Payton was out for the first time this season, but the other guards, Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, and Frank Nielakina, who finally made it onto the court after two <laughs> months of being sidelined and actually played really well in this time. Knicks won 140 to 121 against the lowly Sacramento Kings on a nine-game losing streak. They saw Luke Walton, one of the worst coaches in basketball after the game, went and actually karate chopped right through one his, uh, his clipboard and the whiteboard. Cole, I strongly disagree with that Luke Walton take. I think he's actually a very good coach, honestly. And yes, I mean, maybe he hasn't had the greatest success, but again, it's all about situation. And sure, maybe he wasn't buddy-buddy with LeBron either, but who knows? Maybe someday he will, who knows, if Steve Nash and Brooklyn, they don't go good there. Maybe Kevin Durant is going to, I know he didn't really have any relationship with Luke Walton, but imagine Luke Walton with a team like the Nets and just a great team again, because I think Luke Walton is a very good coach. I thought it was a great hire at the time. Theron Fox has been playing very good this season, and that Sacramento Kings team has been taking a Decent step forward this season. Again, the West is just so loaded with teams. I, don't I mean, know what Kings so- team you're watching, Sammy? They're on a nine-game losing streak right now. They're twelve and twenty. They're one of the worst teams in basketball. Look at the the Your standings right now. Say everything. They're twelve and twenty. They got they got the, the top bottom five record in basketball. They're they're not a great team right now, and they have some nice pieces there already. I just I don't think just Luke Walton's agree. a great head coach. I know they're third, third in the spot, West, in the- but. They're 13 Look, I mean, in the West, but I think they're on the rise, Cole. Keep watching them. Right. They're on the rise in the draft board. That's all they're rising on right now. Um, but, hey, let's talk about our Knicks That's right harsh. now, the team that we've been watching. Last night, again, Sacramento's the worst defensive team in basketball, just so you know, to add extra fuel to the fire about this argument. But the Knicks just had an unbelievable – everyone played well. It was a, one of those rare occurrences where everyone played well. The all-star Julius Randle getting MVP chance from the 2,000 fans in the Garden had 21 points last night and 14 rebounds. You know, Cole, yes, we would like to congratulate Julius Randle as I saw this thing where since, I believe, the year 2000 or since, uh, I believe, Stefan Marbury, uh, there has not been any guards who from the Knicks who have made it to the all-star game. There's been Ewing, Carmelo, Porzingis, Amari, and now Julius Randle, I believe. Those five, and I believe since the year 2000 or something, since uh, I believe Hardaway was the last guard to actually make it there. So hopefully maybe the Knicks now should just focus on forwards and centers to become better. Tim Hardaway was an all-star? I believe so. Uh, Can we we fact check that? I'm a big Tim Hardaway fan myself, you know, a Michigan man. I think he was. 2013... Uh, national championship. Uh, well, I wouldn't say runner-up because Louisville. No, cheated not to junior. The not junior. Oh, Tim Hardaway senior. Yes. Oh. I mean, we're talking about the Knicks right here. Okay. Oh well, that, that's going way back. Okay. That's that's a different story. I'm talking. I mean, Hardaway Junior had two stints on the Knicks, so I was like, when did he make the All Star game? But speaking of a, a guard that will be an All Star for the Knicks going forward. It is the rookie, the neophyte himself, Emmanuel Quickly. Sammy, last night, in 20 minutes of play, had 25 points. And I think he had 18 points in his first nine minutes. He shot three of six from three last night, five of ten from the field. But he's only missed six free throws this entire season. He's 90 of 96 from the line. Do you understand how unbelievable that is for a rookie oh, to come in his first year? I did year not know that he was 90, 90 of 96. 90 of is... 96. And, and he shot 12 free throws last night. This kid does not miss from the line. And look, there's two types of players. There's guys like Trey Young, who's quickly becoming the most hated player in basketball for his unbelievably annoying playing style. And then there's Quickly, who really tries and... And, you know, draws intelligent fouls. Look, he kind of forces them sometimes. But at least it's not every single play he's going out and doing it. And, like, you know, 
if he's on the perimeter and throwing up and flying all your... in the argument i i sense the bias you're like he does it a little bit but that just means he still does it no he no he totally does it and i don't i actually don't it's love when smart, he quickly does i don't it. have a problem with it but personally but when players draw fouls per se that maybe not be fouls or they're in the gray area definitely or they initiate the contact james harden i i actually love his playing style i think it's genius that he just he finesses his way and Trey Young, yes, he's getting some similar hate of starting to do the same, but I have actually no problem with it. But you know, did you watch the Knicks Hawks game the other day? It was infuriating. And, and, like, he, and he knows it too, and he like he's arguing and like, dude, you have a superstar whistle, you get every single call and you're still crying about things. It's like, no, give me a break. And that's where the Hawks aren't playing too well right now. But uh, other Knicks who are enjoying the roster, but that's another note. And I think quickly is like four, 300 to 400 less minutes than Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, who are both – I think LaMelo Ball is having a great season so far. Anthony Edwards is, is teetering back and forth. He does have the play of the year so far. But Unlike he's, Edwards. But he's, he's having an okay season, but on a really not that good Timberwolves team, it's going to probably add Cade Cunningham, which would be unbelievable to add him into the mix. I mean, you got to do well if you add him in, onto that team. But in I terms believe of the other they owe their well, pick to the Warriors, but it's protected, I believe. It's protected top three. Yes. Um, Alec Burks had, I think, 18 or 19 points in the fourth quarter alone. He was on fire from three. Uh, 24 points for him. Frank got in the game, had a, a really nice showing, a few steals, hit a three. Uh, Taj Gibson has been a really nice piece filling in for the Mitchell Robinson void. Speaking of Mitchell Robinson void, Nerlens Noel. Shot four or five last night. has been an unbelievable replacement for Robinson. It'll be interesting to see if they keep him. I hope they do because he's just a really nice backup piece to have for Robinson. You're on mute. Derek Rose, Cole. I mean, yeah, he had 18 points of his own. You you forgot about him. Start off him. the game the Knicks, seven of seven. Yeah, the Knicks shiny new, uh, I guess you could say they're shiny new Mercedes. I wouldn't call him Mercedes yet. But he's been playing some awesome basketball lately. He's and not the Lambo he once was, but he's still he's, very productive. No. He's been a he's been a great mentor for quickly, and we've seen it just shedding off onto the onto the young rookie. But Rose has just been producing. He he started the game seven of seven yesterday. Finished with eighteen points. Bullock had a good game. Hit two threes. Finished with ten. Barrett had only a twelve. And I guess we'll talk about him a bit right now. But uh, before we get into that, just some other players that played. Uh, Kevin Knox got in the game, hit a three. Obi Toppin hit a three. But let's talk about let's talk about Barrett and Toppin, then we'll move on from here. So two bit controversial players in, on this Knicks team right now. There's some rumors floating around that the Knicks maybe might try to skip ahead and try to trade for a guy like Zach Levine or Bradley Beal or someone along those lines. Would you be willing to already give up on a guy like Barrett, who's already only 20 years old, or Toppin in his first season? And what are your thoughts on their futures? Barrett, yes. Toppin, no. I'm actually, I see something in Obi Toppin. I've seen a few of his highlights. I know he doesn't get an enormous amount of playing time. I believe he only had like three points yesterday. But when you look at it, I saw this this uh, dunk he had the other day, and it just looked Amari Stoudemire-esque. And this putback, and it just, he looked majestic. And when you look at it, I think there's something there. And I don't He's think actually it's in the dunk contest. I don't know if you heard about that today. I did not hear about that. He entered it. Yeah, he's gonna. He was the first. Uh, what's the word for it? He's gonna be the first participant contestant, contestant yes. in, the, in the dunk contest, which will take place during yeah. halftime, I believe, of the All Star game. That's uh, that's gonna be interesting. He could really build his brand, but uh, who knows? Maybe he could increase his trade value for the Knicks if they really decide to go in that direction. But I personally would not. But I would trade R.J. Barrett. I feel like he doesn't really improve on team basketball he's somewhat of a, a me first scorer I guess you could say he's okay on the defensive end not like super special I've always thought even before he was drafted he was a left-handed Andrew Wiggins I still think this and I just think he's That's somewhat of an comp. empty calories guy and I personally would trade him maybe not for Levine or Beal as I feel like they don't really fit this next timeline to a T but I think you could discuss him and potential trade packages. Look, imagine this Knicks team with two All-Stars right now. That would be quite the interesting team. I mean, definitely a playoff team by, by any means. Last but... time they had that was Melo and Porzingis, or, well, not in the same no, year, Melo and, and Stoudemire. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've watched almost every minute of every Knicks game this season, and this is what I've observed. 
whenever I watch RJ, of course, I always think of comparing him to Zion, who's been averaging 30 points, over 30 points a game on his own, and Morant, who was the rookie of the year last year. And just Barrett just seems a step behind them, and like there's these glimpses, but then he's just so inconsistent, and you just can't depend on him yet. And look, again, he's 20 years old, and I think he has a ton of potential, especially if he's able to really get his jumper down. And there's moments where he gets into great rhythm, and he's hitting shots consecutively, and it's really nice to see, and he's attacking the rim, and he's super confident. He doesn't let, he doesn't let anything get under his skin. Those are all great signs, and he's going to be a great player in this league. has all-star potential, but does he have superstar potential? Can he be the best player or even the second-best player on a contender? And I don't think so. I think he's like, you know, falls Agreed. into that, like, Kevin Love slash uh, Chris Bosh third third star role. That's what I think he's going to end up as, and which is I don't not think bad. He's even you know, be that good. Yeah, I, I think he definitely has the potential to be that good. He really does. He's twenty years old and he's had some great games throughout his career. I just don't think he's going to hit that level of where he needs. I mean, where his counterparts uh, Zion and John Morant are going to end up, which is unfortunate and it's just still so frustrating that we got robbed of both of them. But speaking about Toppin. I mean, you ha- you have to remember you have to remember that the Knicks picked Toppin because they were kind of iffy on Julius Randle, and then Randle just all of a sudden became an All Star this season, and now Toppin doesn't get his time because he really can't play anywhere else besides power forward. So I wouldn't say the Knicks are going to give up on him, and I enjoy watching Toppin, but the problem is it's infuriating to see how the Knicks use him because not only do they not, they not play him enough, but again. I would rather Randall be in these games because he's just a far better player than Toppin is right now. But they're using Toppin around the perimeter, and it's just so frustrating to watch. Look, the guy hustles. He's like one of those kids that you just love like seeing put in the effort all the time. But at the same time, he just doesn't have the output of the input he puts in. And look, he makes those high-flying dunks. They're great to see. He's hyper-athletic, but look what he did at Dayton. He dominated a, uh, a lesser conference with smaller players, similar to like, the big men that we see all the time in college basketball, like a guy like Luca Garza, who, you know, night after night can dominate, except for last night when a Hunter Dickinson, Michigan 7-1 freshman, absolutely shut him down, unbelievable performance. But for the most part, throughout Luca Garza's career, has just been able to just dominate smaller guys, and that's what Toppin did. Player of the year in college basketball, top 10 pick, and comes in, and he just can't do that anymore. He can't. So, and I don't want him to sit around the perimeter and just chuck up threes when he's going to make like 30% of them or 25% of them. I don't want that from my power forward. I need a guy that's going to be ground and pound down low, what he's good at. And he's not the best defender on top of it. So, we'll have to see what happens with him. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they went out and, and traded him. But again, he's a rookie, so they probably shouldn't give up on him already. But would like to see him utilized in a better fashion. Um, we're going to kind of skim through right cool. now. Since yeah. 2002, I believe the Knicks have only kept one guy that they drafted for the full length of his rookie contract. I'm drawing a blank who it is, but they kept one guy. I saw this thing, and and I think they traded him the year after. So they just they don't give guys a long enough of a chance, and I think that really hinders their development, and I think they need to start doing that, and I wouldn't give up on all these guys quite yet. I I love Toppin. He's a high-character dude. He's smiling all the time, even when he's on the bench. Like, I, I love the kid. He's awesome. Like, I really hope he's a Nick for life. But I just they just need to utilize him better. And I don't want him to, to rot away in the bench behind Julius Randle. That's the other thing. I mean, if he's if he's playing 12 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game for the first three years of his career, I'm not a big fan of that. But just kind of moving around the, the association right now before we get into the NBA to close out this show, um... The Nets are playing really good basketball lately without Kevin Durant, who is going to be sitting out throughout the All-Star break, even though he's the captain. I don't know exactly what the plan is, because is he still going to pick his team against LeBron for this All-Star game? I honestly, Cole, I am not sure. Obviously, there was some All-Star snubs, but now they're going to be replacements. So I know Devin Booker, a lot of people. Yes, uh, Sabonis also is a replacement now, though, so. Yeah, so Sabonis will be pre- replacing Durant. Booker will be replacing Anthony Davis, who's now playing in this game. And as we've talked about on their show around a month ago, these players don't really want to play in this All-Star game. There's no fans there. But I think they're still going to put in the effort, and it will still be a nice production. And they'll have the dunk contest at halftime, and they'll make it work. But I'm sure some of these guys, especially a guy like LeBron, just want to break. You know, He's been putting in the work, and the Lakers have not been playing good basketball to move into them. 
But again, they've been playing without Schroeder, without Anthony Davis. I am not overreacting on this, Sam. I know you put in championship hangover. They were playing great basketball prior to when Anthony Davis got hurt. And this is giving me vibes of uh, the Lakers' first year with LeBron when he was playing with the young guys. And just he was clearly missing that co-superstar. And people were freaking out over it, like, oh, LeBron's washed, this and that. And LeBron it's not is a detri- definitely not watched. It's, it's, a de- it's not a detriment against him that he needs a co-star because that's just how it works. That's how the team is constructed. They gave up all those pieces that are doing really well right now. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, all those guys, Julius Randle, to make room for Anthony Davis. And look what he's doing now. Julius Randle wasn't and- in that deal, but yes. I, I know he wasn't he's... in that deal. You, yeah, I know he wasn't. But I'm saying, you know, they, they had to make room for all these guys to come in. And he was just a part yes. of that whole wave. You know, he was drafted by the Lakers and D'Angelo Russell, another guy. So the list goes on. But at the same time, you know, we, they won a championship less than a year ago. You know, this team is going to be fine. I'm not freaking out. But the team that's super interesting are the Utah Jazz. You know, they're playing great basketball right now. Best record in the league. And the big question right now is, look, of course, they have Mitchell and Gobert, who are both extremely good players. But again, not like those top 10 guys or even top five guys that we see consistently winning championships. Do you trust them in the postseason to make this run? Are you getting like, uh, you know, a feeling of that Hawks team that had that one really good season? They had the first seed and they completely fell apart in the playoffs. Cole, this is really tough. Again, are the Jazz the... Pistons of the mid-2000s, or are they the Atlanta Hawks of the mid-2010s? And that's the real question, and I answer it this way. Yes, they have two All-Stars, but as you mentioned, those guys aren't on the level of a LeBron and AD. Donovan Mitchell having a very, very good season. Rudy Gobert likely to win his third Defensive Player of the Year in four seasons. He's probably the frontrunner, as he should be, and when you look at it, he is the stifle tower, and when you look at it, LeBron, he could probably contain in the paint a bit and AD a bit, but when you look at it, I feel like the Jazz just don't have the firepower in the playoffs. It's a totally different game, and when you look at it in the playoffs, it's all about stars, and if you don't have those type of stars because the, the bench guys are going to play less minutes and your top guys are going to play even more, those top guys really take the initiative in the playoffs, and I don't think it's going to be like it was the other night with the Jazz and Lakers when it comes to the playoffs. The Lakers, I still think, are the favorite in the West and in the NBA, as they should be, and they are still my pick to win it all this season, and I am not wavering from that. Yeah, you stole my thunder right there. I still have the Lakers to win it all, but I would not be surprised if the Jazz gave them a run for their money in the Western Conference. This team is very complete, Sammy. And the difference between a team like the Heat last year, you know, they're just much more well-rounded, in my opinion, a lot more veteran presence. And the thing with Mitchell is I think he really can close a game. He can close a game better than a guy like Giannis, at least, who I just still don't trust to close a game and make a make that last shot at the end. It's not saying he's not an unbelievably good player. I'm just saying, you know, it comes down to the last shot. And who's taking it? Chris Middleton? I mean, who I, who I famously call the, the most boring star in sports. Um, he's overrated. Or like, you know, it, it's so funny because he's one of those guys that, oh, he's so overrated to the point where now he's, oh, he's overrated. So who even knows? But again, you never even hear of Chris Middleton these days. But with the uh, with the Jazz, they got a nice team. But Mitchell, I think, can close out a game. I think Gobert's an extremely good player. And I, I just think they're I think they're legit. But I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers. Um to close up the show, we're going to have some football talk. Again, we're in that really weird period uh, prior to free agency, which I believe starts on my birthday, March 17th this year. Um, and I can't believe it's been a year since I covered free agency on March 17th, 2020, which was uh, the day that Tom Brady left, uh, announced that he was leaving the Patriots. And I remember that day because that was the first day when they kind of realized the world was falling apart. But um, NFL rumors right now, well, actually, we'll start with this. Um, it was just announced today, the new media deal for the NFL. Um, did we write that? Da- did we write that down? No, we didn't write it down. The the details. But ABC is now entering the Super Bowl rotation with Fox, CBS, and NBC. So that'll be really interesting, and I will be very curious to see who's the crew for that Super Bowl. Because of course, ESPN is in uh, a bit in- inferior to the other three networks in terms of their main commentators. 
And, you know, as we're interested in that industry now, who do you think would even be the two guys at the helm for ABC in the Super Bowl? Cole, I don't exactly know on that, but there was something I was burning out of my seat to address over here. ESPN, I have thought this for a few years now. I think they are a dying network, and I think their whole platform is dying, as I think the whole point of ESPN Plus was just to create more revenue back for the revenue they're losing. And the big part of ESPN was always, you know, the scores at the bottom of the screen and the news people used to always put on ESPN for that, just so they could see this quick run through of everything that's happening in the sports world. And now with the internet ESPN, they have lost that element of interest. And I feel like a big part of their audience was that. And as a result, they've lost a lot of views. And as a result, I think they created ESPN plus a paid subscription for all these different shows and stuff. But overall, I would say ESPN, I think, is a dying network, and I think their whole platform is definitely, there's a saying, you're either growing or you're dying. And with ESPN, flat out, I think they're dying. I think that's going to be a really good uh, primary conversation in in the sports industry group. I think that actually might be a perfect way to kick off the group. It'll really get everyone buzzing because it's definitely something that everyone can speak about, you know, their experiences of watching ESPN over the years. But in terms of the deal, I just pulled it up from my sports update, one of the best accounts on Twitter. Disney and the NFL have reached a broad agreement on a new media rights deal. ESPN will keep Monday Night Football, which is also up for debate, and ABC will be added to the Super Bowl rotation for the first time since 2006. The deal is expected to come in at around $2.6 billion. The NFL is just a money-making machine, Sammy. Absolutely. Money-making machine. Oh, another one just came in. Uh, Brian McCarthy says no deal has been complete with Disney for the Monday Night Football package. That there's a deal in place. I don't even know at this point. I think it's going to happen, but uh, we'll have to see. You know, Cole, the thing is with this, I think that this could maybe raise the salary cap a bit. I know there was talks oh, that it would sure. go to $180 million, I believe. So who knows? The league year has officially not started yet, so I believe it still can be changed. And who knows? If this new influx of cash comes in, that may change. Yeah, that will definitely be a headline to look after, and we'll see what happens with Thursday Night Football and, and NFL Especially for streaming. your Jets, yeah, who have a uh, load of salary cap. Uh, streaming services, which I hate when the NFL does that, when they had that one game on Amazon Prime or whatever it was. Amazon. I saw uh, it on there. Yeah, like I was like, come on, put it on put it on TV. Let's not get let's not get Just too watch complicated. Red, Zone. Red Red Zone's undefeated. I think Scott Hansen's actually a free agent this offseason. Um NFL Network needs to offer him the big bucks. That's definitely another topic we'll cover in uh, the sports industry group talking about the primary commentators in sports, the money that they make. People don't really pay attention to that too much. But to close out the show right now, let's talk about the two headlines that came out yesterday. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson in the news now, but both potentially asking to get traded. We know Watson officially wants that. He actually spoke to the head coach, David Coley, today. They settled things out, and he's he finally communicated with the Texans after months of just ghosting them and just said, I don't want to be on the Texans, but they're still like, refusing to um, trade him, which I think they're saying that for the sake of saying that. I think behind the scenes... Uh, Nick Cassiero is the GM. It's just making calls by the of minute. Course. I don't believe a, a, a minute of or any word of anyone saying, oh, no, they're never going to trade him. So I think he's going to get traded before the draft because I think they're, they're, they're going to realize, and I've said this for a long time, I know you disagree that you think he's going to hold out all the way. They're not going to trade him. That he's going to hold out during the season, which they report today that Watson will do that if that uh, opportunity is presented to sit out, if he's still a Texan by week one, but I think they're going to realize that they have they have this prime position to pick at number two or number three between the Jets and Dolphins and pick a, a star rookie quarterback, and they can't miss out on that opportunity, Sammy, or even Carolina. They can go and trade with them as they're probably the front runner for Watson right now. And with Wilson, potentially said he wants to go to the Bears, Saints, Cowboys, or Raiders, her Jets and Dolphins in the mix as well. I don't think he's going to get traded, but it's definitely an interesting dynamic to see that they've just built this massive rift within like a month yeah I mean you didn't really hear about the Wilson thing at all really but the thing is going back to the Watson thing the second the Texans announced yes 
we're putting him on the trading block. They can never do that because the second they do that, his trade value will, will tank. And it's just you're not going to play against yourself, and they can't really say that. So overall, I would say with the Russell Wilson situation, which is a bit newer, I know I believe he wanted, he requested to either if he got traded. He hasn't officially asked for a trade yet, I believe. He would want to go to the Saints, the Cowboys, the Raiders, or the Bears. So four interesting destinations there for Wilson, possibly. And going back to your game green there, I don't know if I could see Wilson and Jets green. I just I can't I don't see think it, really. I think there will be a Wilson and Jets green. That's going to be Zach Wilson, but that's a story for another time. That's going to close our show right now. Um, we'll speak about draft talk in a, in a month from now, but right now that's not the number one topic of discussion. I think the combine would have been happening right now, but that's actually going to do it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next Friday, and we have a surprise for next Friday. A new member of our Friday show. So I guess you guys yes. will have to wait and see. That's your big tease. You'll have to come listen in. 4 o'clock on next Friday to see who will be joining the show for the next half a year or next year and a half. So hopefully. So we'll see what happens. But that's going to do it. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and I will touch base with you soon. And that's going to do you it for as today. well. And to all our viewers, have a good one. Enjoy and have a good one.